What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the VHS Files podcast. This week, we are talking 1986's The Hitcher. This week, my buddy Nathan and I are discussing 1986's The Hitcher, starring Rugger Hauer, C. Thomas Howell, Jeffrey DeMunn, and Jennifer Jason Lee. It's a dark and rainy night as young Jim Halsey drives along an endless stretch of desert highway. Up ahead looms a figure on the road, a hitcher. Jim stops for the stranger. At once he regrets his actions. The man with the transparent eyes and menacing smile is soon holding a knife to Jim's throat. The hitcher then tells Jim to pass a car on the side of the road. The passengers are already dead. The hitcher has killed them. Jim is finally able to shove the hitcher out the door of the car and is relieved that the terrifying situation is over. Some hours later, a car passes with three little kids in the back seat, and the hitcher is smiling through the rear window. A journey into real terror has just begun for Jim Halsey. An unending nightmare with one horror scene after another, the deranged hitcher continues on his slaughterous rampage. The Hitcher was released February 21st, 1986. It was directed by Robert Harmon, who directed films such as Nowhere to Run, They, Eyes of an Angel, and Highwaymen. The Hitcher was released amongst the likes of Hannah and Her Sisters, Nine and a Half Weeks, Wildcats, Terror Vision, and House. With a budget of $7.9 million, The Hitcher only managed to gross $5.8 million. This is a movie that was very prominent on HBO in the 80s, and is where I saw it for the first time. Our discussion will contain plot spoilers, harsh language, and adult content. If you like this podcast, if you like this video, please make sure you smash that like button for us. Subscribe and hit the notification bell. That way you know when we're putting out new shows. Follow us on social media. Nathan and I had a great discussion about this long-lost horror gem from the 80s. So please, we hope you enjoy. And now, on with the show. So I'm interested to hear about your experience with The Hitcher. Um, cause I remember seeing this movie on cable mm-hmm. when I was a kid all the time. Do you remember your first experience watching this movie? The first time I saw the hitch. So the hitcher was a movie that I knew about before I saw it. I, um, I used to be really into reading the reviews on arrow in the which was a, <laughs> spinoff site from joeblow.com yeah uh, and it was all horror movie stuff mm-hmm. and he God, would dude. always reference do i i just uh, you made me think about like i used to have multiple websites that i would frequent same to look, look at stuff i don't do that anymore when i got into film like when i got into like film journalism and stuff when i was a teenager that was i would just go like that my rounds i would make my rounds i would go to yeah. uh joeblow.com i'd go to ain't it cool um, bloody disgusting bloody dis- i still go yeah. to bloody disgusting every day i, See, like, I, I, I love that website i fuck with it i don't check websites at all anymore <laughs> like uh-huh. if i don't if i don't if i don't see stuff on twitter or facebook or, or i don't text it to you <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> um so he always talked about the hitcher as and uh, so it kind of gained this mythic quality for me mm-hmm. and then i think i was 16 i was 15 or 16 and i was on a trip with my drama class uh mm-hmm. in high school uh we were flipping channels and uh something was ending on amc and it said up next the hitcher and i said we have to watch this movie i've heard this is the best thing ever 
And I sat there watching it commercials and all until like two in the morning. I had to be up at six the next day. Wow. And I just was, I couldn't fucking believe how good it was. I, yeah. I think it was my introduction to Rudger Hauer. It's definitely um, mine. Definitely mine. It, it was not my introduction to C. Thomas Howell, who was, um, <laughs> who I knew from Soul Man, a movie that if it was made today, everyone would go to jail. Uh, <laughs> I was fully so, expecting you to say the outsiders, but no, so no, the outsiders, I didn't come to till college somehow. Um, uh, Cause they dated a lot of girls who were into poetry. And uh, so, I, I, um, yeah. So the hitcher, I, I just knew it was this movie that was like notorious because it, it's one of the films that like Roger Ebert gave zero stars. Like, and, and and Roger Ebert, I, I've talked about this on other shows where I, I have so much respect for Roger Ebert, but he had a very strange relationship with the horror genre Yeah, um, where he, he was very picky. And a lot of the time he would kind of dismiss them outright. Yeah. Um, you know, some of my favorite films of all time are movies that he would derisively refer to as dead teenager films. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> So I, I, and I, I, I love the hitcher. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, uh, Ebert called it a nauseating thriller, uh, yes. thinly veiled, but more gruesome ripoff of Steven Spielberg's duel, which there's uh, kind of, there's kind of some truth to that. I think, well, I, but, I did read a thing where one of the producers pitched it as duel, but the car is a guy. Yeah. <laughs> <which> I love. <laughs> and I was like, by the way, that doesn't sound bad. Duel is a masterpiece. Duel is <laughs> amazing. And I like, I am, I won't say I'm a huge Spielberg fan. We just had a discussion about this on our last episode. Oh yeah. But uh-huh. like I, Spielberg made my favorite movie of all time, Jaws. Mm. So I have that sort of respect for him. Sure. But I had never seen Duel until probably five years ago. And dude, yeah. that, that movie is so fucking tense. And you, you just don't like, expect Spielberg, one of the schmaltziest filmmakers working. Yeah. I mean, genuinely, and I, I love Spielberg, but I, I, the, the guy, the guy likes, likes his schmaltz. Yeah. To make a fucking grindhouse film. I mean, yeah. that is what, that is what a lot of, a lot of duel feels like. It feels down and dirty. It feels like a Romero film. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely like, I was on the edge of my seat for the entire movie. Yeah. And especially a movie, you know, as old as it is and, you know, being the movies that I've seen and stuff mm-hmm. that's, that's gotten me in my later years, but like going back and watching that, knowing uh, the time that it was from mm-hmm. and, and the fact that Spielberg directed it, I was like, God, this is way better than I thought it had any Absolutely. right to be. And, and the thing that's wild about the Hitcher, I watched it edited for television when I finally got a chance to watch it unedited, I mm-hmm. found out that barely anything was cut out because this movie just fucks with your head. Yes. Um, really just most of the stuff that was cut out was language. Um, mm-hmm. And there's, I think one shot, the shot of writer like pressing the knife up against his crotch, I think yeah. was cut mm-hmm. out of the, uh, out of the TV edit, but the, um, and, and, and this is an interesting movie because it's hard to find um, it's one of those that kind of falls under the jurisdiction of uh, it, like TriStar Pictures is I've got the owned, fucking clamshell DVD, which, by the way, like, I own has the worst goddamn transfer. Dude, I mean, the, the picture is awful. It's terrible. Like the, the those opening shots are like the scratchiest thing I've ever seen in a in a, in a DVD. 
it seems like it gets better throughout the movie, but like that opening, I was watching it and I was like, God, this is terrible. But there's some strange things with, uh, with the, with the hitcher, uh, because the ownership of the movie, because it's, 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 uh, it's under the HBO pictures banner yep. and much like other movies like cast a deadly spell that are owned by HBO, they won't, they won't put them on Blu-ray for some reason. There's been a couple of region two releases. Mm -hmm. I think there's a new one coming out later this year. That's going to be region two. I heard um, there was supposed to be either. I don't remember if it was a Blu-ray or 4k, but I heard that there was talkings about a, 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 someone releasing it like in the next couple of years. Arrow was trying to get the rights for a while. I think Kino Lorber was trying to get the rights for a while. Mm. And I, as far as I know right now, um, there's like a boutique company that's putting out a UK Blu-ray um, uh, in, in 4K. So, I, I mean, hopefully, maybe that means we'll get it in a couple of years. I, hope I, so. I will be first to pre-order it, I swear. Um, but yeah, this, this movie just really shocked me with how, um, how dark it gets and how just the, it is a it's a road movie, which I'm always on board for, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I'm a big phantasm two guy. You put a dude with a shotgun in a car. I'm going to watch the movie. I have, uh, not, <laughs> I have not seen phantasm two. Oh, I have not damn. seen the only phantasm I've seen is the first one. Wow. And we, okay. It's because we did that for the show, uh, the show yeah. last year. Uh, mm -hmm. I bought the box set. I just mm -hmm. haven't had time to sit down and watch the series yet, but I'm, I think I'm, I'm excited to go through them. I think you'll have a lot of fun with phantasm two. Um, but I, yeah, I, I was, I was immediately just kind of taken with the fact that the, how relentless this movie is. Um, and it, it does a lot without showing you anything. It's got a very almost Texas chainsaw vibe to it, mm -hmm. uh, to approach to the violence. Um, but really the, the thing that's always really struck me as fascinating about this movie is that the, the, the varying degrees that people either pick up on or react to um, the queer subtext of this film yeah because there is there's i mean it's it's there i mean right. from from the word go i mean jim right uh, john Ryder is using this police officer's homophobia to get them through a traffic stop you know yeah mm -hmm. but the and, and the movie is all about trying to groom jim into being a killer and this release that john Ryder needs and it's it some people at the time when the movie came out um took it as a homophobic film they there were some readings that i've read of this where people thought that howard's character represented homosexuality and why it should be feared and and i'm, I'm like that is you're fucking no. up that's not that's not what this movie is <laughs> no I, I john Ryder represents uh psych psychosis and uh uh, uh like I don't even know what the right word would be for it. He is just Corruption. an absolute maniac. Yeah, like, he's a monster. And the, the and there is an interesting read to be found here of John or Jim running away from himself. Um yeah. and and I that I think is 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 worth paying attention to. But people who think that this is a uh a a a homophobic text, I think are are way off on it. I try to say that there's no wrong read of a film, but sometimes it is, it's harder for me to, um, to really follow through on it. And I think sometimes it, it is, it's difficult because the, the filmmakers may not completely follow through. Like, I think that there is a very strong 
uh, homoerotic subtext to the hitcher, but the movie also doesn't entirely indulge in that because the movie wants them to be rivals as well. Right. You know? Well, um, that was a, that's a big thing about older movies too, is that was mm-hmm. not part of the conversation back in those days. Of course. Yeah. Um, I, I just watched fried green tomatoes for the first time oh, in sure. my life. And that movie is LGBTQ as fuck. I love it. Yeah. And, it's great. And, and like, and I'm, I'm watching this movie and I was like, mm-hmm. How do people not see what's going on here, mm-hmm. you know? But sometimes I think, especially like with the Halloween kills and, and something like uh, the Hitcher, like sometimes I think those views may be forced upon a little bit. Like sometimes I think mm. the context may be being pushed from people that aren't. Like like I, sometimes oh, I think the LGBT. I sometimes it's I someone, think that, yeah, yeah like, it, it, sometimes it, it, it comes from people who are trying to like s- signal something that, yeah, like that they think they need to talk about. I could completely see the headline for Halloween Kills coming from a place that's not from the LGBTQ community. It's sure. someone imposing that upon that community and saying, hey, mm-hmm. this killer is killing off your people. Well, and, and that's why it's something that I, I try to I try to sit back and listen because I, I think that it's, you know, uh, guys that are like us have just have been talking for a long time. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. and so it's I think it's always I think it's always good to not necessarily, you know, shut down a certain viewpoint, but also to to to, you know, hear it out, even if you aren't sure that that's the intent of the filmmakers, which is why I think it's also a shame that we don't have stuff like I would love to 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 read an interview with the screenwriter for the Hitcher or mm-hmm. or for Halloween Kills discussing those very topics, right? Um, because again, like it is, but then again, you know, you run into the you know David Lynch always says the movie's supposed to speak for itself, right? <laughs> and I think one of the big problems with Halloween Kills is it thinks it's saying a lot of things and it's not saying anything, right? Um, but you know that's that's a subject for another time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and see, like, you know, uh, you, you've you've obviously kind of picked up on the, the references here in the Hitcher and have read mm-hmm. up about what people have said about it. See, I I didn't really pull many of those contexts out of it watching mm-hmm. it this time around. Um, and I and I wasn't really aware that it was something that came with this movie. Well, and it's um, interesting because it's it's hard to tell. You could read this as Jim trying to run away from himself. Mm-hmm. Um, as as a closeted man, I mean he he doesn't. There's there's a there's a completely sexless romantic interest in this right. movie. Um, there is you know he 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 the, you know the 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 very the, there's a very suggestive bit at the beginning when he picks Rudger Hauer up and he says, "My mother told me never to do this." My mom told me never to do this. And it just kind of has those kind of cruising connotations. Yeah. Like I love um, that. That's the opening line of this movie. Like it's a great, it, it's a great line. I mean, even in that context, but even just like setting the mood for where mm-hmm. this film goes mm-hmm. is like, yeah, yeah. Your mom told you not to pick up hitchhiker. Like this movie is the reason why I have never and will never pick up a hitchhiker. Sure. I mean, and I, and I think outside of those, those bits, even if you divorce them from, from those moments, um, you know, there's there's still a predatory nature to uh, yeah. to John. Outside of the fact that he's killing people, he is trying to he's trying to make Jim into a killer. I want yeah. you to stop me. I want you know. I he when Jim says, "What do you want from me?" He just kind of looks sad for a second. He goes, "You'll figure it out." You know. Yeah, yeah. That's the subtext I really pick up on watching mm-hmm. it this time around. Is you know, this is a watch- guy with a death wish, right? Like this guy wants to be stopped. This guy. Yes. 
this guy knows who he is mm-hmm. and knows what he has to do to be who he is. And like, I think that conversation in the car is so captivating because it seems as though to me that John is saying, I want you to stop me because someone has to, because mm-hmm. I can't stop myself. What do you want? You know, like, and, and, right. and we see that throughout this movie, like as many times as he has these run-ins with, with, um, Jim, uh, Jim's character, Jim like, um, as many times, like, I think that's why he continues to pr- pursue him. Cause he sees mm-hmm. that in him. He sees so you can, you are, you're able to pull the trigger when it's time. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, this thing goes on for quite a while mm-hmm. and we get a, we get, yeah, we get a sandstorm. We, I mean, he does, he spends a lot of time in and out of custody. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's an argument to be made that some people have actually uh, interpreted the film as Jim is actually crazy, which I, I think there's too many things that happen outside of him that, uh, that, right. that argue against that. But the, the one sticking point for folks is, uh, there's the bit where everyone in the jail is murdered and Jim doesn't even wait, like seem to wake up. Right. And there's the bit where John, <laughs> John takes out the helicopter with a handgun. Yeah. Yeah. Which is wild. <laughs> there's definitely crazy circumstances that come mm-hmm. along with some of this stuff. Um, but my biggest thing about this movie is it's, it's one that left an impression on me as a kid because of some of the material in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Rucker Hauer is fucking frightening in this movie. He's terrifying. He, his little smile is like, like if I saw Rucker Hauer on the street and he smiled at me, like I would be scared wolf. to death. He is a, yeah, he's, he's a, yeah, he's a wolf. Like he is, it's those cold blue eyes. I mean, it's the same thing that makes Roy Batty simultaneously pitiable and terrifying mm-hmm. in Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I, I love that he, you know, he, he has these moments where there's a strange tenderness to him. You know, he, like when he puts the coins on Jim's eyes and you know, it's, it's this very like methodical melancholic moment. Uh, And it, and and you just never, you never know why, why did he pick him? And that was, you know, one of the big problems that critics had when this movie came out is, you know, we don't give this guy any motive. And I think that that's scarier. Well, that, you know, we talked about Halloween, uh, the same thing with, like, that's what, that's, that's why the Rob Zombie movies don't work for me is because Michael is scarier when there's no motive behind what he's doing. And I I had an argument or not an argument, but a, a conversation about this very thing with, uh, with, with my friend Ashley on our, on our podcast where we, you know, she, she was just like, I just, I, I need, I need to know why, because it's so awful. And I, I get that, but I think sometimes, I think sometimes that you, that the, the horror is enhanced if you, the little, the less, you know. Yeah. And this is something that I've kind of latched onto in mm-hmm. recent and really recently. And same can be same statement could be made for this movie is imagine yeah. if, you know, Halloween ended and we've get that great scene of of Loomis looking over the balcony and Michael's gone. Yeah. Imagine if that's the only Halloween movie we ever had. That's my thing and that is that's my biggest knock against Halloween 2018 is it undoes that for me. <laughs> I think that's what's so striking about John Ryder is that he shows up, he ruins this kid's life 
Yeah. And he makes him a killer. He gets what he wants. Mm -hmm. The thing about the hitcher is that he wins. Well, yeah, that and like we talked about, you know, you just brought up like what what is his motive? And like, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily need a motive, but I was wondering watching it this time, like why he continues to torment um, Jim Mm -hmm. throughout all this. But, you know, again, we go back to that conversation in the car. He says, I want you to stop me. I want you to stop me. Yeah. And then there's, you know, even at the end of the movie, he's telling him, pull the trigger. I want you to do it. He yeah. jump. he jumps out of a moving vehicle through a windshield. Yeah. He also stands still and lets Jim run him over. Mm-hmm. And he keeps getting, he keeps getting up while Jim has a shotgun. And I think that and this is my reading of it. The last thing he does out of defiance is he chucks handcuffs mm-hmm. at Jim's feet as if to say we are both free <laughs> to yeah. do whatever we want. Like <laughs> That's and, a good way to read it for sure. And so Jim fucking blows him away. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's it takes a lot of trial and tribulation for him to yeah. get to that point. Yes. Um but I think, you know, I think the reason he continues to torment Jim throughout this is because Jim does make that effort to stop him in the car. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we've gotten in so many of these movies as you know, a horror trope of you have a killer who is, is stalking a person or a family, and I will do whatever you want, just let me live. And he says, Say four words, Please. I'll do anything. Say four words, uh, okay? Say one die. I want to want die, to die. Yeah. like. I had never thought about the context of that before. And I, pr- yeah. I honestly probably forgot that it was even in the movie, mm-hmm. but you put a like that situation is scary as fuck to me because yeah, like I will do anything you say. Okay. Tell me mm-hmm. you want to die. And it's like, and I, when he, he says what? Yeah. When John repeats it, he looks like he's saying it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he, Rudger Hauer kind of casts his eyes down. And he says, I want to die. And Jim again takes it at face value and he's just like, I can't do it. You'll like the, the girl's going to, you know, mm-hmm. like it's just, uh, yeah, it's, oh, man. So I think, I you know, and, and that's when he realizes that mm-hmm. once Ryder has got in the car, he left the door ajar mm-hmm. and kicks him out. Fuck you, buddy! He genuinely seems happy that he got out of that situation. Yeah. And, you know, it it cuts to John. Like, normally in a a horror movie, we would stay with our protagonist and just continue down the road. But it cuts to that shot of John getting up. Oh, that incredible, like, zoom up, like the sweeping. Yeah. Yeah. And I think my read on that is his, like, okay, you just invited a game. And this is how we're going to play this. Mm Mm-hmm. And it is a wild fucking ride, dude. And yeah. it's it pulls no punches either. I remember this movie vividly for two things. The diner where he finds the finger and the French fries. Sure. That and freaked me out. With the teddy bear. Well, <laughs> that's a good one. That I mean that I, one gets me every time. And that smile that he gives. That Ooh. smile whenever he pulls the teddy bear down. Yeah. yeah. And then the fact that you know, he finds that station wagon a few miles up the road and he has murdered an entire family. Whole family. Yeah. And, you know, starts vomiting. Like, yeah. 
It just, yeah. it, just the, the, the brutal aspect of this, like, again, we can kind of compare it to Halloween kills a little bit, but yeah. like, and, and then, you know, when, when Nash dies and I honestly, I remember watching this as a kid mm-hmm. completely distraught because like, yeah, like you think that's that a situation happen. Yeah. That like you think happen. that's, there's no way they're going to let the, the police are yeah. here. There's no way this is going to, and oh fucking boy, it happens. This was the scene that made the movie hard to make. Like, uh, two different, like three or four different studios passed on it because that was the scene where they were like, you can't put that in the movie. You can't like, you can't have the hero lose this dramatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one uh, executive was literally like, okay, you can, um, you can make that scene, but like you have to cut to her funeral immediately after. And they're like, <laughs> you don't realize like we lose all momentum for the rest of the film. If we, yeah we cut to a funeral scene like the the problem is that the 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 point is that it is senseless because it's not even about her you know right um and the only reason she's in that situation is because she was trying to do the right thing the scene where she the reason she like gets on jim's side is because she watches the police try to kill him like yeah uh, that's also a rough thing to watch without through throughout this movie is the fact that you know, Ryder is setting Jim up essentially like, and and honestly, like Jim invites it in a sense, because I won't say he invites it. That's the wrong terminology. Like bad at he's, he's bad at like just telling people things. He's so naive. His naivety is just like to through the roof. Um, but that also like puts you, I mean, he grabs Nash throws her in the bathroom and pulls a gun on her and then says, I didn't do any of it. And I'm like, yeah. boy, you are not convincing anyone. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. He's constantly making like bad decisions like that. And that's what makes it hard as the viewer for this movie is, you sure. know, that this kid has done nothing wrong and he continues to get himself in deeper and deeper. Not, yeah. it's not even Ryder's fault in some senses. No, and sometimes like, he's just not, he's not communicating properly or he's, He's so he's either so traumatized or so like angry. He has a chip on his shoulder the yeah. whole time. And the the like the there's so many times where he could have just leveled with someone and they and it doesn't. I do love the sequence when he first talks to the captain over the radio and he's just like, I'm trusting you with my life. Like, please yeah. don't fuck me over. This man is after me. Just let me get let me get where I'm going and I'll tell you everything. And and it's still just uh, the scene where Ryder pulls up, kills the cops, and Jim just like runs out into the desert sobbing, like because yeah. he just he keeps having one escape after another taken from him. Well, the, the the other thing that puts a cap on that scene is he still has the gun at that yeah. point, and like this kid has been driven to the point where he contemplates suicide in that moment. Yes, and yeah. and it's it's hard to watch because you know this kid is just being terrorized. And he's, mm-hmm. he's, it's, it's to a point where he's like, I have to end this myself because I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. But the thing is, he, he just, he become he becomes, he comes to know writer almost on a spiritual level. I mean, there's the, there's the sequence where he's just like, I have to see him face to face. He spits on him. Yeah. And then he just knows he just knows that it's not going to stop until he stops it. He's like, he told me what I have to do. I mm-hmm. have to do it. Yeah. Um, 
And I do genuinely think that the closing shot of this film is it, it, it broke my heart when I saw it for the first time. Cause I was just like, well, what's his life now? Mm-hmm. And I, that's the point. <laughs> it's a, just... it's an ending. That's very similar to one of my favorite films of all time. And that's mm-hmm. seven. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. I, I have always been of the opinion that the, the antagonist in seven in a sense is John Doe, but the, Real antagonist of seven is Brad Pitt's character. <laughs> sure. Because he never listens to reason. He always goes off his own cuff. He does whatever he thinks is right in the situation. Yeah. And ultimately he loses because he is so stubborn. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, obviously we're supposed to feel sympathetic for him, but I, there, there's some sense instances of that movie where I can't, this is completely different. This is where like, I kind of feel where Jim is at in this and you know, it's, it's heartbreaking for sure. But I think he finally kind of realizes what he has to do to make it in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and he, he, you know, by that point you, you want to see him, you want to see, you're almost complicit in it. Like you want to see him kill writer. You you need writer to stop. Mm -hmm. Um, and and that's what Jim knows. Jim knows that writer's never going to stop. He's somehow the most capable, uh, impossible man. That they don't even have his fingerprints on record. Right. Jim Ryder, John Ryder might not even be his real name. Mm-hmm. Um, I love so much about this character who seemingly blew in from nowhere and yeah. and turns everything upside down. Um, and it's. It's fascinating. It's a, it's a, it's a, I don't know. I, I love, I love the, I don't want to say relationship, but I, I love the chemistry between these two actors. I mean, yeah. to the point where like Jeffrey DeMunn's the, the, the captain says, I don't know what's going on between you two. And I don't want to know. Yeah. Which, which also speaks to, you know, a, a, a strange kind of like homoeroticism. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's such a weird movie that has so many different levels at play that I think were really written off when it first came out and that I didn't even pick up on when I watched it the first time as a teenager. Yeah. Um, and it's one that I feel like really rewards repeat viewings. Um, and, and you can also watch it just as a good thriller. Like yeah. that's, that's the thing is like, you don't ha- even have to like try to dissect it or anything. It works on those terms. Um, this is just a smart, well-made uh, action horror movie. Yeah. And, and, you know, you and I brought this up a while back and you mm-hmm. talked about how much you liked it. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I posted on Twitter the other day that I was watching it and you were like, dude, are you talking about that on the show? Like, yeah. Yeah. And what's, what's the saddest part about this movie for me is like, mm-hmm. this is a genuinely good horror thriller. Like I agree. And it seems to have been lost in the shuffle and much I, like, um, it's written by Eric Red, who wrote Near Dark, which is also almost impossible to find. Yep. It is another one of my top 10 favorite films of it all is, time. It is one of the best vampire movies I have yeah. ever seen. I was telling a, I was telling someone about it the other night, and they were just like, this sounds like you made this up. Like, this sounds like the perfect... I was telling someone about Near Dark, and they were like, yeah. this sounds like the perfect movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, no, you just can't fucking find the Blu-ray anywhere. Right. I mean, I, I have one of the out-of-print Blu-rays here, and I... Me too, gar- the one that has the cover art that looks like Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Adrian Pastar, uh, like, he's... 
He's probably the worst part of that movie, but he definitely has some Edward vibes going on on the front of that book. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's sad that this movie has, has kind of been lost because I feel like this holds up more than a lot of thrillers and, and horror, like road mm-hmm. movies and stuff that have come out in the past 20 years. Well, it's simplicity just in execution, I think is a huge part of that. I, I, th- I think you, this is, this is one that just like, it hits at a primal fear, yeah. you know, the, the, the killer on the road. I mean, Eric red was inspired mm-hmm. by writers on the storm, the, yeah. uh, the doors song. And that is, you know, it's, it's that, it's that old urban legend. Don't fucking just don't pick up hitchhikers y'all. Yeah. Like this is like, this is a nightmare. This is a nightmare come to life <laughs> much in the same way that green room is like every band's worst nightmare. Like this is, if you drive cross country, don't like this is what you're afraid is going to happen. Yeah. I green room is a lot like the uh the descent to me like Sure. It kind of okay. it kind of starts as one thing and just oh, yeah. sort of progressively gets to something completely overblown but like I love it in every sense. I recommended the descent to a friend of mine like literally last weekend. She starts the movie, she's like, "Oh, I'm so claustrophobic. This is really scary." And then an hour later, she texts, she like messaged me. She goes, this is not what I wanted to see today. <laughs> like, like you know, <laughs> and it was the most perfect, perfect encapsulation of why that movie works. Like, I, you know, I didn't know a ton about Green Room going in to see it, but I went to the theater and saw Green Room. And yeah. there is a specific moment where someone pulls their arm through a door that I was like, oh, this is where we're fucking going with this movie. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it, it is one of those that completely blindsides you. Mm-hmm. And I'm on board for the ride after that. Like, and that movie is something Green else. Like, rules. I don't think enough people know about that one. And I, no. I will I will push that one till the day I die. Absolutely. Especially like you said, like, we've been in bands. We are familiar with the touring lifestyle. That's and how-, how I heard about it. I was on I was on tour and my friend Ryan texted me and said, dude, uh, watch Green Room. It's your worst nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it just all the aspects of that just culminate into something that's like something you would never think about. Yeah. Absolutely. Until you see it like that, you know, and it's like yeah. I, I would have never... You know, going on tour and and scraping to get by, town to town, all of that stuff. Like, yeah, okay, that's playing gigs the, you don't want to play just because it's it's going to get you the gas money for the yeah. next day. Like yeah. you are you're already trying to make it by, and then you factor in, oh, I I'm in a a, a room full of white supremacists, and yeah. they're crazy, and they just killed a person. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I guess that is uh, the moral of the story is it can always be worse. It can always get worse. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, at least John Ryder's not a white supremacist. I think that's what we're saying. (laughs) (laughs) At least the hitcher wasn't a Nazi. Um, Yeah. And I I think there's so much, there's so much that this movie accomplishes with the chemistry of its actors and the simplicity that um, is missing from, I mean, I I won't go on a big old tangent, but there's a platinum dunes remake. That's not good. I've I've seen it. I've never felt the need to rewatch it because I was so familiar with the original. Yeah, it's it's and it's so weird because it's one of those that is like almost beat for beat the same, but with mm-hmm. none of the elegance. And then um, there's a sequel that went direct to video that also like 
I haven't goes seen out it. Of, it's bad. I would I, just avoid it. I'm uh, sure. I'm sure it's not good. <laughs> it, it's it's pretty rough. It's got Jake Busey as the killer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, Thomas Howell is in it, but he is squandered. Yeah. I the only aspect of the remake that I find interesting that could have could have been good was Sean yeah. Bean as John Ryder. He's really he's interest. He makes, he has an interesting performance. I also like that it subverts what you think will happen to like the quote unquote Nash character of the remake. You know, the, yeah. there's a there's a different dynamic there that I think is is kind of interesting. But otherwise, it's just like I've seen a glossy action movie before. Like I don't. Yeah. I'm not grabbed by this. Yeah. Yeah. This, this one, this one ultimately just perseveres for me because of how it's gritty it is. And mm-hmm. yeah. And it's just, you know, you're following two people with, you know, something ought to be said that this is the second time we've been on a podcast together talking about Jennifer Jason Lee in a movie. Yeah. Recently. <laughs> recently. I thought the same thing when she, I, I, yeah. When she was, and this might've been like the first thing I remember seeing her in as well yeah. as, as a, as a teenager. Uh, and she's great at it. She's so likable, and I you need it because it's it the fucking rug is pulled out from under you when she's yeah. taken. And she seems, I mean, she is genuine in it. She yeah. really just comes across as a a, a girl working a waitress job, mm-hmm. and has is thrown into a severe situation just like Jim is. And yeah, it is it is fucking heartbreaking when she ends up where she ends up in this movie, much like much like Jim. Yeah, but and I, I, and I think that that's the that's the key is that the I have a real issue with movies. You just introducing a woman for the sheer sake of using them as like a bargaining chip or mm-hmm. a, 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 a vehicle for a man's pain. Um, and the <laughs> vehicle, no, she, no pun intended in this. Movie. Right. Right. <laughs> but I think that what's great is that, yeah, Nash does have her own agency. There's a couple of times where Jim, wouldn't make it as far as he had if she hadn't intervened right and and there's uh she, she there's a strength and a warmth to that character that uh that i think um a lot of it comes from the the actress herself and not necessarily the the way it's scripted either like yeah. I, I think that she brings so much to the table with uh, a limited amount of screen time it's 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 kind of crazy to me to see like actresses or actors or actresses like Jennifer yeah. Jason Lee like Jennifer Jason Lee has been acting for a long time yeah and is still in the business and killing taking it. chances like, doing yeah. interesting work I mean we we talked about her in Possessor mm-hmm. and on uh, Silver Linings playlist and she's. She's and while and really while her interesting perf- choices in that movie, yeah, I mean, while her performance in that is very reserved and kind of you know a background character in a sense, mm-hmm. she's still scary she's some, and she makes like, someone who is despicable seem maternal. Yeah, at the same time, it's mm-hmm. very interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting performance. Yeah, her her yeah, you, you, maternal is great because like she's like the the mom saying, you know, yeah. you really need to be doing this. You this know, like, is for your own good. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, man, I, I would say like anybody who is hoping, you know, it's hard, it's hard to find this one. I think you can rent it on Prime. I think you can uh, every once in a while it's cycled through on HBO Max, but otherwise yeah. it's it's a hard it's a hard one to hunt down. But if you can, it's it's worth a watch. There's there's a lot to dissect and, and to debate about it, I think. Also, just the simplicity of this movie is something of we the don't. Plot. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and that's what's I think that's why it it you're able to pick up on those different things because the, 
the story it's telling is very simple. And then it is just every frame is loaded with subtext and different emotions and different, Mm -hmm. uh, different twists and turns that I, I think transcend what even the original screenplay was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just there's there's not a bad performance in this movie. Even the cops, no. I mean, the the background players and the cops. Yeah, Billy Greenbush and and Jeffrey Demun, like they're they're always fun. Yeah, a couple of almost famous moments in here. You brought up Jeffrey Demun. Uh, yeah, I know him most notably as uh, Dale from Walking Dead. Walking Dead, and, yeah, and like the Green Mile and stuff. Sure. Uh, there was also, um, I think it's Gene Davis. Yeah, uh, is uh, one of the cops. Uh, I know him mostly from Ten to Midnight, the Charles Bronson movie. Have you seen oh, that one? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he's the in, serial uh, killer who runs around naked the whole show, the whole movie. Right. Like, he's uh, also in uh, Cruising with Al Pacino. I just picked that up on Blu-ray and haven't watched it yet. I'm anxious to watch it. Right on. Oh, and, so. and um, shit. What's that movie called? Uh, the Relic. He's in The Relic too. He has a it's, small role in that one. That's another one of those '90s movies that I'm afraid to go back to. I remember having a lot of fun with the relic, but I haven't rewatched it in a long time. Yeah. I I will I will err on the side of I probably still love it because I think Penelope Ann Miller is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I, '90s movies are hard for me. Like I I sure. I fight I fight going back to '90s movies because I just have this weird relationship with the '90s. But yeah, I, I'm I am anxious to go back. Like I'll have to check out Relic again and. And uh, Armin Shimmerman from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Deep Space Nine. Uh, he's he's another one of the cops. Like, all the cops are, like, that guy, you know? <laughs> like, they're oh, just yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. that guy actors. Like, which is completely what our Almost Famous segment is for. It's like, you, you yeah. see those guys and you're like, oh, that guy. Oh, that oh, guy. I love him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, a, a handful of them here. Um, I would say, like, there's not much in this movie I don't like. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a pretty solid thriller horror movie from the 80s. It's it's better than a lot of the shit that came out in the 80s, if you want to be completely honest. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's 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 kind of sad. Like the other thing this this movie reminds me of is there was a show, a, a show on HBO called The Hitcher or no, The Hitchhiker. Really? Oh, oh, yes. That was the uh, like an anthology series. Yeah. And I remember watching episodes of that when I was younger. I don't think I ever saw that. Those are hard to come by, but I, I kind of liken this movie like, or I I lump this movie in with that Mm -hmm. show because like the, the setup for every episode of that show was a guy hitchhiking. And then it tells a story about something or other. That's a good hook. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they only did a couple of seasons of that show, but Mm -hmm. HBO was, was, they had some crazy shit in the eighties. I'll just say like, <laughs> yeah. I'm anxious yeah, to go you, back you and rewatched uh, tales from the crypt recently. I haven't done it recently. I did uh, a few years back. A lot of it holds up, man. I love that show. I, I, my favorite ones are, uh, I love the Christopher Reeve one where mm-hmm. they, they have the diner and they're eating people. <laughs> yeah. 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 Tim and Judd Nelson and, uh, Betty, uh, Betsy, it's the, the girl from, uh, Jaws three. What's her name? Uh, Oh, I can't think of her name. She was also on some TV show. Uh, I don't know. I'm going off the rails there, but <laughs> yeah, I, I need to rewatch tales from the crypt. Cause I yeah, used man. to love it when I was a kid, but the thing is like, I, I didn't realize there's seven seasons of that. And some yes. of those episodes aren't very good. They're not great. Yeah. But Especially some, later on, there's some there's some rough ones. 
But I do have all seven seasons on DVD. That's another thing. Like, again, HBO. Like, what the hell is HBO's, like, disconnect with wanting to update their stuff, man? It's not like, HDO. <laughs> <laughs> Put the wrong emphasis there, but you get it. Put the wrong emphasis <laughs> on the wrong syllable. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie, but I quote that all the time. It's good. It's a good one. All that, right. Well, the quote is good. <laughs> I think that'll do it. Unless you have anything yeah. else to say about the Hitcher. No, man. I, I thanks for bringing me on to talk about it. I feel like uh, no one talks about this movie, so this made me very happy. I think more people need to talk about this movie because mm-hmm. honestly, and just it, and again, like it's hard to find. And and don't do yourself the disservice of watching the remake. If oh, I can't find the original, I'll watch the remake. No. That's yeah, not, not what you same. need to do here. Nope. Completely not the same. You need that. Yeah. You need that grain, boy. You need that yeah. 80s grain. <laughs> and I will say, I mean, you, you guys kind of do a, a double feature thing where on, on your show, the Silver Linings playlist of like, if you were yeah. watching this movie, what would you watch as a kind of a double feature with it? Oh, sure. We, we talked about Duel. I think Duel is a good one to, to pair up with I this. I would agree. Yeah. So. Duel or Green Room? Yeah. Green Room. Green Room from sh- for sure. Like. I don't know. I might have to put Green Room above Duel on that one. Like, yeah, maybe really it's because good. I relate to it so much in in my. Like, <laughs> sure. I have life experiences that I could con- compare to that, whereas no one's ever chased me down a highway before. So. Right. Boy. <laughs> well, all right, Nathan. It was fun, man. You want to throw your uh, your your shows and your handles and yeah, all that dude. stuff out there for everybody. Yeah, um, I uh, co-host a couple of podcasts. Oh, that's a scary movie. I I co-host with my friend Ashley McLaughlin from Southern Haunts. Um, We cover scary movies uh, every week. We just finished a a whole month of classic slashers. Um, And so for November, we're going into cozy horror season, season, just in time for Thanksgiving, kicking things off with 1999's The Mummy, which isn't necessarily a horror movie, but is one that we love so much and feels like a warm blanket. Um, (laughs) And uh, I I also do the AIPT Comics podcast where we have... uh, creators on to talk about their books and we review the our favorite books of the week and talk about uh comic book news um for horror fans we recently had uh the belay brothers on to talk about the new season of dragula on shutter and <laughs> to uh talk about their takeover of heavy metal magazine um we also will have uh scott snyder talking about his new horror books uh yes. out from his uh on comicsology originals uh night of the ghoul and uh which which is fantastic i would highly recommend it um and uh, the silver linings playlist where we discuss movies that have uh open-ended or downer endings um we also just finished a full month of horror movies discussing the dawn of the dead uh original and remake back to back uh we talked halloween 2018 um, we've got some really, really fun episodes coming up that i i think folks who like the vhs files will really dig um uh we have a new another cronenberg coming up uh and a nostalgic favorite from when i was a kid that's going to be like close to the end of the season that i'm I'm really excited to record nice um, but yeah um find those on all all podcasting platforms and i think silver linings playlist we've got episodes uploaded to youtube as well you do you do i actually just linked uh yeah. linked your uh halloween eight, uh, 2018 episode on our oh, last thanks, uh, our last podcast we did but i mentioned you guys so i threw a uh, threw your you. link up there and uh as if you 
needed another podcast, then you can also hear Nathan and I coming up on the uh, For New Eyes Only podcast, where we talk about James Bond movies. Yeah, and that'll be on the uh, VHS Files feed, right? Yes, yep. You'll get a new episode on the 7th of every month there, and it's it's me and Nathan talking about Bond. He loves Bond. I've never seen most most of of the Bond movies, so... It's a it's going to be a fun conversation that we're really looking forward to but absolutely all right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking about this with me. Like when you yeah, hit me dude. up and were like, Hey, are you talking about this? I was like, well, I don't, I don't have <laughs> any sure. plans, but I, right, I'll right. definitely jump on and talk with you about it. So, yeah, man. And like I said, like, it's, it's interesting because it, there's a lot to, there's a lot to dissect and there's some really touchy subjects and, and interesting things that I think are worth talking about. And when I realized, you know, that you had just seen it, I was just, I, I was like, I, I, I yeah. need to talk about this. No one ever talks about this movie. <laughs> I'm I'm uh, always down to talk about movies. It, it can be something yeah. no, nobody talks about or things everybody talk about. Everybody yeah, has well, we're different talking about opinions. Norbit so. next week, right? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. I wouldn't be opposed to watching it, but I can't guarantee you I'll enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, until next time, be kind, rewind. We'll see you guys on the next one. Later, y'all. Thanks for checking out this episode of the VHS Files podcast. Nathan and I had a great time discussing The Hitcher. We highly recommend it. If you can find it, please give this movie a shot. It is definitely a hidden gem. Please make sure you smash that like button if you like this conversation. If you like this video, please hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell so that way you know when we're releasing new episodes. And until next time, be kind. Rewind. What if you were watching Bridges of Madison County and then someone just fucking gets murdered in the middle of it or something? It's, you go to a date at this guy's house. You sit at, he feeds you fucking soup. And then his old homie comes in and wants to tell you stories. Good soup.